Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We have an awesome lineup of callers today. A quick reminder, all my resources are available for you at my site, sayitskillfully.com. Please check out my new mini course and take another step in speaking up positively and productively in any situation. Okay, we're heading to Northern California, Oakland to be specific, where I spent many years. A good morning to Natalie. Natalie, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks, Molly. Excited to be here. Well, I am thrilled that you're up early, and I'm really interested on what uh, tough talk or sensitive situation is on your mind. Sure. Let me just give a little context. So I work for um, a consulting firm, about 600 people, um, and we work in these really tight-knit project teams. And there's a culture within our company um, of being bad at feedback, as many <laughs> as many places are, but we have our own particular brand of being bad at it. Um, people are very nice, they're very optimistic, and find it really hard to say constructive things to one another. And um, right now, like a lot of places, we're experiencing a lot of staff turnover. We've got a ton of new folks um, who are joining the company in the last year. And I've been finding, um, as someone who leads projects, I've been finding myself in this really um, tricky sort of uh, balance that I'm trying to strike, where we've got all these new people who are really smart and talented, but just not great at their jobs yet in the particular way that we do it. And I'm finding the need to give people feedback in a culture that doesn't really support it and trying to balance, you know, a lot of these people are really young, they're new in their careers, and I, I want to um, give them the feedback that they need, but I don't want them to feel defeated or, or bad or like they, um, you know, are <laughs> uh, the imposters that many of us early in our careers at my company felt like. So I've been in some scenarios with people where I, I want to give them hard feedback and I'm not sure how to do it in a way that builds them up um, and won't make them feel um, you know, negative about how they are performing. So that's sort of the, the scenario and, and I've been experiencing this on a couple different projects recently. Uh, well, I thank you for bringing it up. I'm nodding my head with a big smile because it's a huge challenge like for everyone out there. So yeah. people around the world are like, oh, yeah, on both sides, receiving and giving. So just um, let's just start with, you know, the framework is always me and then kind of what's going on for you, you, what's it like for the other person, and then we, who are we together? So let me just ask you, when you're thinking about, you know, these performance kind of conversations, what's going on for you, Natalie? Yeah, well, there's sort of two things that come up when you ask that. There is, um, you know, I'm, I'm leading these projects and we work in this very intense way. And so, you know, I'm both trying to do my like individual craft contribution. I'm trying to lead the project. And then I'm also feeling like I'm needing to do to some degree, the job of the person who is new and doesn't really know how it, how it works yet. So I'm feeling stretched pretty thin in a lot of these scenarios to begin with. And the other thing that's going on is my own personal relationship to receiving feedback. Um, and I've worked a lot on it over the years, but uh, I'm the type of person who it's very easy for me to hear uh, someone say, you did something uh, in a certain way, you should do it in a different way. And to hear when they say that, you know, um, you're bad, <laughs> you're, you're not good at your job, you're a bad person. Um, it's very easy for me to let the feedback expand into something that it's not. So I'm very con you know, conscious of that experience. Um, and I don't want that to be 
you know, something that I um, inflict <laughs> on someone else. I love that. So fabulous awareness. Fabulous. That is 80%. So you're like on your way. So this is going to be super straightforward. Okay. So let's just switch it up. The person receiving the, and go actually give us a particular situation, right? You can change up the names or scenario a little bit, but just give us an exa- a, a specific example. Sure. Um, let's see, last fall, I was working with someone, let's call her Michelle, and it was her very first project at our company. And, you know, we work in this very, we work in a weird way. We have a very particular style of working and we don't do a good job of onboarding people. We don't give them a lot of tools to be successful. It's sort of trial by fire. You jump in and um, learn by doing. And so she just didn't know how to contribute and uh, I was trying to give her as much guidance as as I felt like I had capacity for but she just you know it was a lot of her sort of waiting for me to tell her what to do and then to go do it which is not how we really work um, typically and so it just meant uh, we're not really resourced for that and so um, I was trying to figure out how to tell her that she needed to be more proactive uh, but also realizing that she didn't necessarily have the skills and the tools to be more proactive. Although I did feel like I was giving them to her and they weren't being necessarily heard. So this might not even be a feedback conversation. This might be more of a, <laughs> a communication conversation. But the, the idea of proactiveness, I think, is what I was trying to get across. Yeah. Okay. This is fantastic. Okay. So that's the you part. We can get her being somewhat not really knowing what's going on mm-hmm. really frankly just you know not a bad person maybe there's an issue and she can't do it we don't really know that mm-hmm. okay so then the third level is the we and what serves the firm mm-hmm. and i think this can be really helpful for you and i appreciate your awareness about internalizing the feedback is i'm doing something bad or i am bad so feedback is a gift <laughs> number one so when you have feedback what would we say we always say thank you So number one, just changing your own mental model of feedback and feedback is how we grow, which is why it's a gift, Mm -hmm. right? So for the firm to grow, each and every person, including you, all these new folks, they need to grow. So I hear that the firm itself may not have this socialized in their onboarding. So one thing, as you're starting your relationship with anyone who's new to your projects, and I think this is the relationship versus the task. It's really interesting to focus on the task. Oh, do this, do this. But if you focus on the relational part first, it can pave the way to make it really easy to help give people the kind of input you want to give them. For example, Michelle, I know you're new. You know, I'm not sure what onboarding, you know, have her tell you what she did in her onboarding and say, okay, this is one thing I want to set straight. You know, we've got a project. Here's some of the parameters to help educate her. But then say, Michelle, I'm here as a partner to you. Mm-hmm. So I've got my own fair share of work, but I'm here to make you successful. So I want us to be really clear. As I see things, I'm going to be really open about giving you ideas of how to do it in a way that I think will serve the firm and you the best. Is that all right? Are we on board with that? Do you see, set that right at the outset so that she realizes that she's not bad or she's not doing bad work when you come forth right with her. You set that up right away. So you don't feel weird like, oh my gosh, she didn't do what I thought she was going to do. Because we know that at some point they're going to need to get feedback. So let me pause there. Does that make sense? Kind of setting the stage? Yeah, totally. Um, I think the other thing that as I'm hearing you um, say that that's coming up as I'm thinking about sort of the the balance of negative and positive feedback um, and and feeling like once those like lines of communication are open, don't want it to just be like a barrage of, of negative things or of constructive things, um, thinking about how to um, make it feel balanced between um, here's what you're doing great and here's what you could improve. Right. So here's another thing. And I appreciate this. You kind of judge. Well, that's bad. Mm. It's fine to, to put a judgment on it. I think that can make it heavy for you. Mm. Part of that is saying, hey, can we talk about that last uh, yesterday when we had this client meeting and what happened? Yes. OK, great. Let's talk about it. How did that how do you think that went? Mm. So your ability to ask questions first to understand what the experience or what Michelle thought gives you context for then how you might say, you know, that's really interesting. Here's my 
experience of it. I actually thought that, right, um, you weren't as forthright or what, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So you start to compare the different experiences as opposed to making it personal. And then you start to help her appreciate your point of view. Mm. Right. Okay. So that's less about bad. It's just saying, hey, this is the situation. Now, that's feedback. Nothing wrong with feedback looking behind. One thing to think about, and I credit Marshall Goldsmith, my mentor, everyone knows, about feed forward. What would mm-hmm. you love to see? So we noticed that, you know, let's just say it was a little slow moving. We, we needed to pick it up. What I'd love to see, Michelle, is on your toes. I'd love to see you taking command and putting it, going around the room, asking everyone for their input. Mm. boss right so you're helping create a picture of what you'd love to see nothing again there's nothing wrong with either but i think people want to have an aspiration mm-hmm. of what great looks like versus you know bad molly you know bad totally <laughs> something that we did so let me pause there how's that landing yeah that's that's really helpful and i think um you know, as I'm thinking about the couple of people who I've had this sort of similar experience with, the the feeling that I have is that they just are lacking perspective. You know, they, they don't have the experience to have worked across many projects to see how things go, to like understand sort of how we work. And so the idea of saying, I'm just going to show you my perspective does feel like a really nice reframe in terms of like i do have that and you don't and i want to share it with you versus you did something bad and i have to tell you (laughs) that you did a bad thing Um, exactly and i think this the same thing about a new so you maybe this is oh sam tell me how long have you been at the firm what have you been on blah 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 oh sam so i'm hearing you've been here about six months you've been on two projects is that right Great. Super. I have had the privilege of running 200 projects here. So I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my wish for you, Sam, is that we help you not make the mistakes we've made before, but you make new ones. Are we Hmm. game for that? So you set that up with Sam right away at the outset, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I think you can be more free. And the spirit of I'm sharing my thoughts to help you be better Mm-hmm. versus sharing my thoughts to reprimand you is a very different feeling. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, I'm curious, do you have any of these feedback situations with senior people? You know, every now and then, but um, typically, no. It, it's actually kind of an amazing place where once people are up and running, um folks are really good and smart and it just we work in this really particular way that it takes you know they when I joined they said oh it takes a year for you to figure it out which is crazy Um, but with more senior people everyone that I've experienced that I've worked with has really been um, really capable and and um, people take a lot of ownership over their work which is so not this particular thing there you know I can think of scenarios where I, I thought people should have done something differently but it was more a difference of opinion than um, uh, feeling like skills were missing right let me add one more tip that might be helpful and this comes in handy for the performance issues so so there's a matter of just kind of not knowing you're just trying to help them Uh, come on board but let's just say someone really is sort of flailing and they don't maybe see that they're flailing Mm -hmm. and i use the numbers thing all the time so you know i want to help you be your best and i'm curious that last project or whatever they were doing you know on a scale of one to ten ten being like perfect you know five being 50 percent of perfect you know how would you rate how you think you did And so you have them rate it and you have them tell you why, and you're just taking it all in. And then, and they may say nine. You're like, oh, fascinating, (laughs) right? So listen, I hear you. Here's the thing. For me, it was a four. Mm -hmm. And here's why. So again, it just gives someone, whenever you force someone to put the number, I found people like to talk around it. Oh, it was pretty good. But you force the number and then, then, then they have to substantiate it. And then it also gives you a chance to say, here's what 9.5 would look like for me. Mm-hmm. Are we clear? Mm. Right. And then how can I be helpful? Is there anything that I can do to support you? And um, as I'm going to ask you shortly, I always like to finish those conversations with, okay, we've said a lot. What's your top takeaway? My top takeaway, um, I, I like the idea of um, 
having people self-evaluate before I jump in with my evaluation. So how did you think that go, uh, that went, um, you know, put the number on it and, and have them share their perspective just to have a, um, you know, a sense of, you know, what do we share in terms of our understanding of how it went? And then using that as a, a springboard to share my perspective and a, a different point of view on, on what good or better could look like in the future. Nice. Okay, I'm cheering for you. I Let me know how it goes. You know how to reach me if I can be helpful. And I want to thank you, Natalie, for being part of the solution. You take good care. Thanks, Molly. It was so fun. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. Have a great one. Okay, that was so fabulous. Okay, so now we're heading, we're staying on the West Coast, moving down the coast. And I am thrilled to welcome another early riser, Chris, who's also my old stamping ground, the City of Angels, Los Angeles. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, Molly. How are you? It's great to be here with you. Uh, it's fabulous. It's great to be here with you. Um, I have very fond memories, my UCLA days, uh, going down um, to the campus and uh, living when it wasn't quite so, I think I might be overwhelmed now, but I have very fond memories of living in there. And I also remember for two years, never wearing anything but shorts. It was a rare period of weather. Literally never had, I did not have slacks or pants on for two whole years. I'm wearing shorts right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like total business attire. Yeah. Uh, okay, my friend, what uh, tough talk, challenging conversations on your mind? Well, I wanted to share a story um, with, with your listeners that might help them. It's, uh, it's a say it skillfully story, but it's really, probably 99% listening, and it's about inheriting a problem from someone else. And you identify me as being in Los Angeles, but the truth is I'm in Hollywood. And I've worked in Hollywood for 25 years. So I have a Hollywood story and I'm gonna drop names. <laughs> you have to, that's, that's your MO. That's what we do. <laughs> so um, 2009, uh, I'm in Nashville and we were shooting a spot for the Academy of Country Music Awards. And it's gonna be a glamorous spot with four beautiful women, with Kelly Pickler and Leanne Rhimes and Julianne Hough and Jessica Simpson. And it was gonna be, a, it was a kind of a big weekend we had coming up. It was the first time the Academy of Country Music Awards was the same weekend as the final four. Now I was a, an executive at CBS for a long, long time. And these were two gigantic rating events. So we had to make the most of it. So we planned this shoot, and about two weeks before our shoot, Jessica Simpson, who's a really a beautiful woman, had an unfortunate, she had a picture that went viral. She was at a concert, she, you know, she was performing on stage, she wore a pair of jeans that were not exactly flattering. Well, the press ate her up. It went viral, she was called every possible horrible name you could think of. She was devastated, but she was committed both to our shoot and to a morning of press. So we shared the stage with the press that morning. But she had one condition with press. Don't ask about that picture. Just don't bring it up. I've got other things going on. It was one picture. It was a pair of jeans that didn't fit right. That's all that it was. Leave it alone. Well, the morning happens. She goes through press. They didn't keep their word. She was ambushed on live TV asked about that look, is she fat? It just, it was a horrible, horrible moment. Graciously, she went through the entire interview, smiled. Afterwards, she went up to her, her dressing room, locked the door. I got a message on set, like, Jessica wants to see you right now. I get sent up to her, to her dressing room. I go in, I knock on the door. I hear, yes, come in. I sheepishly open the door. I think that, okay, there's going to be publicists. There's going to be business managers. There's going to be an assistant. There's going to be a lot of people who can help diffuse the situation. I'm there as not only the executive producer, but I'm there as a network executive. So I'm representing a lot of different entities. It was just Jessica alone. I walk in and she was furious. She ripped into me. She ripped into the media. She ripped into the network. She was devastated, angry, and hurt about everything that happened. She was not going to do our shoot today. That was it. She was going to pack up her stuff and go right away. This probably went on for, I don't know, 20 minutes. 
finally, after I just, I just listened, I nodded, I agreed with her because she was absolutely right. We sat down on the couch together. I took her hand and I said, Jessica, you're beautiful. You are absolutely stunning. Forget about that picture. We have a, a glamorous shoot we're going to do today. You look amazing. So to tell you what I'll do. If you want to do it, come down to the stage. I will let you look at every shot. I will let you approve everything. And if at the end of the day, you're not happy, it goes away. We'll cut around you. We can make this work with the other ladies. That's fine. We can do it. Uh, but if you don't, I totally understand. She gave me a hug. I went downstairs. Ten minutes later, she came down. She looked completely amazing. We had a great day. And all I did was really just listen. I listened and I listened and I listened. And I said one thing based on what she had said. And we wound up getting a great day out of it. So I'm sure that your listeners can relate to that in their own workplaces. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, it sounds so zen. Chris, you're like, oh, happy story. Everyone's smiling. Rainbows and unicorns at the end. Okay. Would you share with listeners, because you go up there and you're like, okay, this is not good, right? You're thinking not good. How did you comport yourself? Actually, that's a really good question um, because I did have a lot of people I had to answer to, and we had spent a lot of money on that shoot. Um, I think it was just focusing on where I was, what that person was saying, and truly hearing them. I didn't go in with any sort of bag of tricks or pat answers on what I was going to say or do. I wasn't there to defend uh, the network in any way. I was just there to listen to what she had to say. And I think I was truly willing to let her go, let her leave the stage that day. I guess in my mind, I had already um, written around her. So I said, okay, I can, I can, we can do this with three and I'll take out this line and move that and we'll have a couple of different shots and we could do it. But I think, I think the tip was to stay open and stay in the moment of where you are. Such uh, wisdom, and it's really easy to say. And I, I am wondering, as you were listening, did you just, I mean, how did you stay? Because that's 20 minutes is a long time to get ripped at. I mean, that's not, you know, it's not five, it's not 10, it's not 15. That's a long, that's a long rampage. Well, <laughs> I've had a lot of women yell at me over the years, so I was kind of used to it. <laughs> but it's it's a lot, and it was a lot of unpacking, and it was a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with with me. You know, she had just been in this barrage for a few weeks over a silly little picture, you know? So she was hurt by so many people in so many ways. I just listened and absorbed it and didn't take any of it personally. Yeah, so that's just, I hope the listeners just take notes on this because this is when you're in these rough situations and it's easy to make it about you. This is going to happen to me. The executive is going to yell at me. I'm in trouble. And you know what? At this point, as Chris just demonstrated, being about the other, having the courage, having the compassion to be purely about the other, and this is not easy, folks, um, is what gets you to such a great outcome. So bravo. I love I love you that you shared that. Okay, so since you're the big Hollywood guru, I can't I can't let you go without asking a bit about, let's just say managing egos. I think I hear a lot of folks uh, in the workplace uh, talk about managing the egos. and i'm I'm just curious without you know divulging too much how much you encountered that and then how, ways that you found to be successful where you could also be authentic to yourself, Chris? Well, the big surprise, and there are egos everywhere and in every business, and lots of egos in Hollywood. What I was surprised when I got into this business were the big egos were not where you would think they are. It's not the actors and it's not generally directors or people on the front line because they're already putting themselves out. It's the next layer where you get a lot more ego. So you have to you have to listen to everyone. 
you have to get their point of view. You have to try to understand why they feel the way they do and endlessly find, I want to say workarounds or compromises, but that's really not it because that sounds like you're avoiding it. You don't, you just have to take that into consideration. So it might be a rewrite on something or it might be, you know, we'll give in and, you know, fly somebody's hair and makeup person in. If, that, if that's what it takes to make them comfortable and feel happy, but to understand that all the, all the ego, it's all coming from someplace. It's usually not just arrogance. There's usually something behind it. They've been burned somewhere else or you know, something like that. And that generally helps a lot with egos, just getting in somebody else's shoes and trying to figure out, okay, why do they feel that strongly about this right now? Yeah, so this is so great because I wish I could just bottle you up and share you because I think so many people, this is really not easy for a lot of folks because our own self gets in the way and a sense a real a groundedness within you, which is fabulous. So, you know, CBS is a big place. And for the sake of folks who are building their careers in bigger organizations, Chris, could you just share a little bit about your own? I'm really curious how you got in there and moved up and and just created your your own career career and um, in a way where you were able to really stay true to yourself. Uh, well, I've been I was been fortunate enough to work in really two amazing professional sandboxes. I started my career on Madison Avenue in New York and worked at big agencies like Saatchi and Saatchi and Gray and NWR when that was still around on some amazing um, projects. So, you know, I, I got that experience right away of working in someplace big when recession of the early 90s hit and really affected advertising a lot. I thought, well, you know, I can write a little bit. Why don't I go out to Hollywood and see how I do there, which was not the easiest thing to do and to get started. But I hung in with it, and eventually um, I wound up going to CBS for one day of freelance writing on The Nanny, the old Fran Drescher shows. And I got in, and because, you know, television is an insatiable beast. So if you get in and you show that you can feed this beast every day, you're going to stay around for a while. And that's really what happened with me. They just said, come in tomorrow, come in tomorrow, come in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to put you on staff. And that turned into a 24-year career at CBS. Um, in terms of navigating a big company, uh, what I found is, and all the agencies I worked at were big companies as well, is on paper you work in a big company, but in truth you work in it's an endless series of small companies. Your department is really the company you work in. And your boss is the person you answer to. And in, in, in TV, it's like you may think you're talking to you know, tens of millions, if not 100 million people for a Super Bowl, but you're not. You're pleasing your boss and he's pleasing their boss. So when you make it a lot smaller, it becomes a lot easier to navigate. That is really a great way to think about it. And, um, you know, did you ever have, um, you know, big issues? I can't deal with this. I mean, seriously, you sound, it sounds so flowy. I mean, I'm at, or are you just someone who isn't, who's pretty unaffected by that? Because you seem very even keeled. I think I'm pretty even keeled. There, there are issues every day. Uh, we were lucky enough that we had a very well-run organization. We didn't have a lot of screamers. We didn't have a lot of uncertainty. From the top, we were set in a direction and we followed that direction. The direction was to win and to be number one. And we got there and stayed there for, um, I think we were America's most watched network for 17 out of 18 years. And when I joined, CBS was a distant number three of the, of the major broadcasters. So having that goal from the top set really helped a lot. Wow, that's quite a ride. And I don't, I'm just, you know, not asking for magic answers, but the whole world of that media network is super different. Any thoughts for people who are interested in the space about opportunities or where you'd go if you were a young person? For entertainment? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great business and I've loved being in it. It's, uh, it's tough to get in, 
Um, but once you're in and you can prove you do it, you will stay. Find, find what you do well in it or where you fit. And what I've always said to people who come out to Hollywood is, you know, most of us come out and basically we know of three jobs. We know there's an actor on screen. We know somebody had to write it and somebody yelled action and cut. And then you watch the credits of a movie and there is the bare minimum 80 names. Or if it's a Marvel movie, there might be 400 names on that. There are a lot of jobs in entertainment. So if you want to jump in, get a sense of what you think your skill set is, but also have an open mind. There are so many different jobs here. There's so many different opportunities and they change all the time. It works yeah. tremendously. Yeah. That's crazy. I love it. Okay. Do you have any last, I mean, could go on. It's very fascinating what you have done and that's a world I don't know very well. Any uh, last takeaway of your own and listening to yourself or a takeaway for our listeners? Um, the takeaway for the listeners would be learn to listen really well. And I think that's a big part of saying it skillfully. Just listen. Yeah. New bumper sticker, Chris. <laughs> listen, I can see it being made now. Okay. I am cheering for you, my friend. Um, if I can be helpful, actually, I'll be reaching out to you for skillful tips. <laughs> I appreciate you, you carving time and uh, you're a huge part of the solution, my friend. You take good care and uh, hopefully I'll, our paths will cross again before long. Thanks, Molly. This was fun. Ciao, ciao. Bye, Chris. Bye. Oh, I love it. Okay, now we're heading to the heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. I am super excited to welcome Chris to the show. Chris, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hey, Molly. How are you? I am fabulous. How about you? Um, I'm doing well here in the heartland. I love it. Okay, my friend, I'm really curious. What is on uh, your mind today? So as we uh, we had a little discussion earlier offline, um, and I'm sure a lot of people could relate to this, there's always that one or two uh, fellow office mates that um, maybe think they're the only one in the office. And when I say in the office, I'm talking the typical um, cubicle city or cubicle farm, as a lot of people reference them, which is currently where I reside. And so we have one or two folks that, you know, they kind of forget where they are and maybe they, um, they, and I say we, we may have been spoiled over the last two years working from home where we think it's kind of just us. So they may be louder than they intend to be, or they think that it's okay to have a public uh, meeting that's just them on a speakerphone when they're not in the privacy of their own home or in an isolated office. So when they have a meeting and it's on speaker, whether it's uh, Teams, Zoom, or, or a teleconference, it's kind of like we're all involved in that meeting, even though it may be a distraction for some of us, when really it's just that person and you know, 10 other people on the other end of that computer or phone. So myself and some others, we struggle with hearing that. But um, in my environment, which is mostly a military personnel, we're, you know, we're usually okay with just coming out and saying something to a fellow coworker. But, you know, as we're all uh, reacclimating to this office environment again, we do want to say things skillfully without, you know, stepping on toes or making somebody feel bad about, you know, doing something that when they're really just working. <laughs> I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for sharing it. I'm smiling because I've been in some of those bullpen and, uh, and, and, and listen, I've done it too. I've been on my own mobile kind of yelling into the phone and without someone um, getting my attention to the fact that I was kind of screaming into the phone where everyone else could hear 20 feet away, I wouldn't have known. So there's just a little teeny weeny awareness problem there. Um, so uh, it's kind of egregious, though, if it's not just you, if there's a whole group of people and then one person has kind of their Zoom meeting in the public and everyone else is sort of supposed to deal with that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, what... Um, have you tried to let them know? I mean, what have you tried to, in terms of helping this person uh, 
understand the situation because it's kind of not so crazy to think, you know, if you have a Zoom meeting, probably doesn't want to be on the speakerphone if there's 10 others of us around here. Right, exactly. The um, I haven't approached them yet, uh, other than making some passive-aggressive uh, comments in a jovial way, because I do know this person, great, great guy, great work ethic, um, super nice guy. So it's not like this is the bully of the office. If that was the case, I'd have no problem, you know, confronting them. But um, I think what makes it harder is that they're just dialing into these meetings because they have to. They don't really have, they're not really a player. So they're not engaging. It's just, we listen to everybody else on the other end of the Zoom call or whatever. So it's like, okay, well, you can maybe put on your headset or pick up a phone for that. So no, I have not approached uh, these individuals yet. And I think part of me was like, okay, look, well, Molly has a lot of, a lot of these sessions. It has to have been addressed before. And I'm happy to address it again to see if um, yourself, your staff, or other people chime in saying what's worked for them. Yeah, yeah, no, I got it. So I, I am curious, are you the ring person for the little pod there who everyone's like, Chris, you're the one who's got to say something or has anyone else thought about saying something? No, I'm in no way there. Uh, I'm not higher up on the food chain. Uh, they do kind of look at me to say something because I am that person who will. Uh, so because I'm usually bold in other areas. So I am thinking of just addressing it um I don't know if I want to start out with some soft jokes about, hey, thanks for keeping us on, or, hey, do I need to sign in for being a part of that meeting, too, since I was part of it? You know, making some jokes like that, but sometimes those can land flat. And, you know, over the course of days, weeks, years, if I'm always making those jokes, it might, again, come across as another harmless joke and not like a, am really trying to address an issue. So, which means kind of like your first caller, you might have to be a little more direct, which is uh, is uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. So I appreciate your military background and being direct is not uncomfortable for you, which is super. And I also think people, I just want to reframe direct for people. Direct can be very clear and forthright and lovely and nice. It doesn't need to be mean or otherwise, you know, declarative. And so I want to give people room to think about directors just being up front. So I love the fact oh, that- Oh, absolutely. And that's how like, I meant it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think you, you're you comfortable with that. I think a lot of folks um, don't. And, and I would ask listeners, when, you're, when you are worried about giving, quote unquote, direct input, that's going to help the person, help you, and help the organization, okay? I would ask the first question is, why am I holding back? And it's valid. You might say, well, I'm afraid or I don't know how. And that's all valid. But understand the root of it and make that something we own versus projecting the problem on the other person. Right. So once you take away that and and Chris, I would say to you, for sure, this is something that isn't helpful for your productivity. You know, you, you like the guy, but you're like this. I can't really work. And by the way, the other people can't really work. And, and it's and this is like right. not rocket science, right? So there's this notion of just from a driver for change, like sure I could tolerate it, but it's really not the right thing, and it's an easy fix. So that gives you the reason to go there, okay? And so I appreciate the snarky thing, and I really encourage you not to go with the snarky, jokey. Just to your point, it just you know, it it doesn't it can really not land well, and it cannot. I think, have you look as professional as you want to look. So I would avoid the jokey thing. So I think that's a good call on your part. I'll just role play this really quick. I think it's just getting in a, in a very light mood yourself. And I also encourage people to own it. And let's just call this person Dave. Hey, Dave, get, great, get your back. Um, hey, one thing, and I got to tell you something. I, um, I'm coming to you because I realize that I haven't said anything for, and maybe this isn't going on for what, 10 months, five months, six months, Chris, however many months, right? So I'm a little yeah. mortified at myself for not saying something, and I know it's not a big deal. So here we are, light, you're owning it, not a big deal. So there's no reason for him to be defensive. You know, you're on these calls, and I get, you know, I, I get the sense you're just kind of just listening in. It would be a huge help to me because it's hard for me to concentrate. If you could put the headset on, would that is that something you could do, please? 
phone and see what he says. Yeah, I think he would be receptive to that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you said he's jovial. He's a super nice guy. He's not a bully. He probably has no clue that that the, the sound is traveling as far as it is. Okay, so let's just assume he's like, oh my gosh, what's he? What we would want him to say. And by the way, folks, if someone comes to you, this is what you want to say. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that the whole it was really obviously I should have, but I didn't realize it was so loud. And no problem, I can totally put on my headset. Boom, solution solved. Big hug, high five. You're done. Okay, let's just model though. Oh, absolutely. Right. Let's model Dave is like offended. So here you are. You're all like, oh, I talked to Molly. This is going to go perfectly. Right. And then he's like, what? <laughs> what? You're kidding me. So how is Chris going to respond? Good question. I'd probably put my palm up. I'll I'll try to I try to show humility as best I could. Say nope, not a big deal. Um, and I would never bring in other people. Like, well, we all agree. I wouldn't gang up on him like that. I'd own it as it's me who has the issue with it. Um, and maybe remind him, hey, you know how two rows over how we hear them all the time. Well, that's kind of how I receive you. So. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes with your next call. If you can try the headset, if not, if that doesn't work for you, we'll we'll work something else out. And yeah. and he's a soft-spoken guy himself, so he's not the loud one. It's just you know how these computer speakers and phone speakers can be very amplified. Totally get it. Totally get it. Okay, and this is for you and for listeners. So Dave's come back. Urgh. It's easy to go into defend or more solution mode, and you may need to go there. But I would first say, oh. Dave, if you are, you seem offended, you seem angry or seem whatever, right? You know, I'm really sorry. That is not what I intended. Pause, right? Work with the emotion that's come back and then let them go next and see what comes. And then he might start laughing. You know, who knows? But I, I don't go into the solving mode. Try to stay with that emotional thing and say, he's like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I am I'm annoyed. And I, I, I actually, I don't even know why I'm annoyed. You know, I, sorry, sorry, Dave. I didn't want you to be annoyed. I was not trying to do that. And I know you're a really good guy, right? So stay with the emotional part first and see how far that gets you. And, th- and just as you heard with the previous caller, Sometimes someone just needs to be heard. You don't know what's going on for them. It probably has is nothing to do with you. Probably has nothing to do with the call. Something's going on for that person. So show the compassion to just stay with them, even though you don't really know what's going on for them. Because this is such a thing that's not a big deal that you're like, what? This can't possibly be a big deal. How's that landing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'd always um, try to understand it from their perspective. And I... I would always validate their feelings um, or their words as well, because I understand they might be in that first defensive reactive mode. Um, But however they react, it's real to them in the moment. So I'd want to validate that instead of dismissing it, because that's very counterproductive if you try to not validate what somebody's doing or try to force your perspective onto them. That never works. Right. And you can be like, you know, you seem you seem, you know, upset. Is that the case? So you, you, no one wants to be told how they're feeling. You know, it just seems to me, is that the case? And they may say, you know, I'm just so exhausted that I, I, okay, great. So you're, again, you're just working with the emotions, helping people not let the emotions get the better of them or us. And that can be, that can be 80% at times. Um, okay. Right. I, um, do you have anything else on this topic? No, not on this. Not on this topic. I think you've given me a lot of. Um, you put a lot of my toolkit to work with, so I appreciate that. Um, oh, I, I wish I'll I could ask. have weighed into the first call with feedback. I love. I love feedback sessions. I'm actually good with one-on-one feedback sessions, um, whether it's somebody uh, above me or one of my uh, somebody below me who who works for me. Um, that was that first call was was awesome. I appreciate that. Okay, awesome. I love it. So I'm going to ask for a top takeaway, and then I have a question for you. So just from our chat, what's your top takeaway? Oh, the top takeaway is I got I have a way to approach Dave, and um, you also gave me 
two react how how I respond to them based on two scenarios if they respond positively or if they respond defensively. So those are my takeaways, and I'm going to keep those in mind on how I how I, I how I approach them. I know I know now how to approach them tactfully, and um, based on how they respond, I've. I, uh, lack of better terms, I feel armed on how to uh, respond appropriately and kindly. I love it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. I want to just ask, since you come from the military, and I think um, I'm all about helping embrace the diversity of people's backgrounds, and I have known that, you know, some military folks, I'm just in awe, you know, so thank you for your service. And it can be kind of... Um, Shocking, I guess, to land in a private sector environment. So I, I just, if you don't mind sharing, you know, what was it like for you? And if you had some tips for folks working with folks who have had military experience, um, what might you share so that uh, people can create a workplace that helps you to do your best work? Oh, absolutely. So it, where I work currently, I'm retired military, but I still work as um a, uh, a, a GS employee, a government um, pay scale employee, a contractor. Um, for some people, don't like this term. I'm, I'm a civilian now, but I still work on the military installation, surrounded by other civilian types, and it's a blended work environment with uh, active duty, uniformed military members, and um, civilian military members who are now government employees. So it's a wonderful blended environment, and. When you're around a lot of uh, certain types of military people with their various backgrounds, there are a lot of uh, A-type personalities. So um, maybe I'm one of them. I don't know. But uh, you just have to understand, and we're growing as a military, and I would encourage your other military listeners to be part of the change as we um, become a better force with uh working and speaking with others. A lot of um, the older generations like myself, they don't like the change. They're not embracing the change of um, where I think we need to be. Uh, what some people call, hey, that's too, the military is becoming too politically correct. I'll try to correct them. I'll say, no, we're just becoming correct. There's a difference. You know, there's what you say and do at home, and then there's what you say and do in the work environment, whether they're your best buds or not. So I would encourage your other listeners um, to embrace the change. And if they're already embracing it, then help pay it forward. I love it. I love it. I am really grateful for you uh, chiming in and uh, sharing. I think a lot of folks had a lot to learn. I certainly did, Chris. You know how to reach me. So let me know how it goes with our friend Dave. Um, and if I can be of any help, don't hesitate to reach out. You, uh, thank you for being part of the solution. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Molly, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, super fun. We'll be in touch. Take good care, Chris. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, I have one scenario I can squeeze in, and this is a chance for you. Um, I wanted us to step back and talk tendencies at work. Um, and as we heard with Chris, not surprising, there's a bias for action in the doing of something. Um, in situations when you're thinking, if I can just get so-and-so to do such-and-such, such, right, we'll be in, in nirvana, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for you to consider, consider a different tack. And here's what I mean. Consider you are seeing things in a way the other likely is not. So your first step is not solving, but rather creating the awareness. So yes, before action comes awareness. So let's just say the desired outcome in this case is you want the other person to talk less, listen more. So get yourself in the headspace of being a partner to your teammate. You're not directing them, right? But you're being a partner. And let's just say the name Sammy. Sammy, you're so valued on the team. I see how much you value the team's input. So you're acknowledging Sammy. I'm noticing something that might help you hear more of the team's input, may I share it with you? So here you are offering to help them and you're asking if you can share it. And if they may say no, which is fine, they say, yeah, 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 great, thanks so much. It might seem basic, but it's the amount of airtime that I notice you talking versus team members. So I'm really curious, in that last meeting, on a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being you're listening all the time and one talking all the time, you know, where do you think others would rate you? 
or maybe you ask them to rank themselves. So it's just an opportunity to get into a dialogue, to, f- to have someone think, huh, what do other people think? And I know that seems very basic, but giving them the opportunity to say, what do other people think? So it really reinforces the power of your noticing to help others create the self-awareness from which uh, then can be a driver for change to whatever the action is that best serves the team. Okay, so I want to encourage you to give it a try. And I am going to close with my thought for the week from my friend, dear friend, Ryan Berman, who's all about courage. Safe ideas are deadly. And Ryan says it may take years to figure out they're not going anywhere. So Ryan will take a bad idea any day over a safe one. Okay. And that's a wrap, folks. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 